Welcome to The Human Side of Research, conversations to inspire and help you advance in your scientific career. Today, we talk about work-life balance with Professor Fulvio Scarano. Work-life balance is when I, at the end of every day, I finish the day and I'm satisfied of what I have done. My name is Giza and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about work-life balance in academia. On March 16 this year, my colleague Laurence and I talked to Fulvio Scarano, Professor of Aerodynamics at the TU Delft. Fulvio, who is a professor and an athlete, deals a lot with questions around work-life balance. You will hear us dive into topics like the influence of fragmentation of one's time and attention on work and health, the balance between choosing your own path and checking the necessary boxes, the role of supervisors in achieving work-life balance, what to do when we experience that our work-life balance is threatened, and more. Enjoy! Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Fulvio Scarano, and uh, I'm a professor of um, aerodynamics at the Faculty of Aerospace Engineering in the TU Delft. Um, I come from Italy, so I came to the Netherlands uh, more than 20 years ago. I'm still happy here. <laughs> and um, your question was uh, something that um, where I'm passionate about. There is a quite a, a couple of things. So one that uh, certainly I can't miss is a passion for sports. I, I'm an athlete. I used to be an athlete in my young age. And then I uh, interrupted it for a few years, uh, the time that my kids were uh, young. And then I discovered again in this uh, second uh, chapter of my life. So I now practice athletics quite uh, fanatically. Um, so this is certainly something that, uh, and is something that will come back to the discussion about work-life balance is yes. certainly uh, a great help and a great inspiration, a source of uh, energy for me. Yeah. Wow. There are other things that I like, but uh, let's not make a long list. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you. I am Laurens van der Fürst and I am Geza's colleague at Downsetup. Uh, I give courses and coaching to academics since 2012, mostly in personal leadership, collaboration and dealing with conflicts. Uh, here as a co-host. Yeah, thanks for joining. Very nice. Um, well, Fulvio, I uh, of course googled you before we went into this interview and if I can trust the website of TU Delft, you have more than 200 publications. And if I trust ResearchGate, you have about 300 publications. Do you even have a life next to work? That would be my first question. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you, you mentioned these numbers as if they would be impressive, but after 20, 25 years of career, I think many people uh, achieve these numbers uh, thanks to the good students, mm. thanks to a collaboration with good colleagues. Um, I, I think for me is uh, in, part in, in the academic, in the academic um, say uh, framework, maybe the number of publications is, an, is a factor of uh, productivity and of, uh, that you have a fertile mind, that you have uh, contributed in your field. But it's also very important to see if somebody's reading this work mm -hmm. and if the if this work is of use for somebody so i'm much happier when i see that uh, uh, some colleagues all over the world are contacting me for more information about the research that that is where i see uh, most of the impact your question do you have a life mm -hmm. yes of course i have a life uh, uh, besides these activities and uh, as uh, maybe uh, physiology or biology would uh, dictate uh, a lot of work to a, to, a, to a large quantity and extent has been done in uh, in earlier years. Um, I'm still very active, and now I my production is not only due to myself, but mostly due to the collaboration I do with my colleagues. I'm in my mid fifties, so then I do not have the same uh, energy and strength uh, to endure <laughs> uh, long nights, uh, sleepless nights at work. Uh, which I did uh, um, in my earlier years, uh, in, the, in, the, in the 30s. Mm -hmm. So um, that brings me to the question, um, what does work-life balance mean for you and has it changed over the years? So were you happy when you 
were working through nights back then or did you feel out of balance for a long time and now finally you have reached the level of academic hierarchy where you can say okay now I have the balance that I want and I have worked for it for long years. Yeah thank you this is a very good question and I would agree with you that uh, the balance um, is different. In my experience it has always been there and uh, it has been there before and it is here now and um, uh, first of all I like to give the definition or maybe my perception of work-life balance what is for me work-life balance and uh, my colleagues know me for somebody who really likes to simplify or oversimplify things to make sure that the message goes through so work-life balance is when I at the end of every day I finish the day and I'm satisfied of what I have done I'm happy of what I've done. I, I have entertained myself. Somehow I've enjoyed what I've done in the day. Almost every single day, say uh, nine out of 10. Uh, and at the beginning of every day, I'm energized. I feel I have the energy to make a new day. I, uh, I have expectations for that new day. It does not mean that I accomplish everything what I expect, but I have expectation, I have a plan, I have something that uh, that pulls me <laughs> uh, out of bed or that brings me out of home and, uh, and so on. So this is to me the baseline of my work-life balance. If you are happy at the end of every single day, so the, the objective is very close, it's not a plan in five years I want to be there. Mm -hmm. I'm working very, very hard because you know when when the moment will come and i don't mention it because it's we are already projecting it far in time yeah that, that i find it more dangerous because then i would be working very hard i would have to sustain this work for a long time just for one objective and i would see myself at that at that point once i can sit on that nice accomplishment for five or ten seconds and after you say uh, now what <laughs> okay, so uh, so work-life balance, maybe if I rephrase it again, is a really attention to the experience in the path and, uh, and, uh, and balancing the enjoyment, uh, the, the pleasure almost of your path with respect to the fulfillment, the sense of accomplishment for one specific objective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so at that time, uh, I felt a good balance, uh, say, in my uh, younger uh, career. I could talk maybe some tenure trackers, people in their beginning of their career might be listening to the, this podcast. Um, by a simple reason, I just liked a lot what I was doing. So when you if, you, if you decide to work in a subject that you like, and in that sense, university is uh, an ideal place because often is uh, curiosity driven. You you do what you uh, what uh, what really interests you. Um, then you don't you don't feel the fatigue. It's like if you are an athlete, is running, and you you keep running, and uh, uh, maybe the, you have the music in your in your ears, and uh, you just uh, look around. You don't concentrate on the fatigue because you just enjoy so much the walk or the run. And then at the end of every day, I was also happy and uh, maybe I was say, pushing the boundary of the day beyond <laughs> the end of the day after the midnight. Uh, yet uh, at the end, of, at the beginning of the next day, I've, if you sleep enough, of course, if you are careful with your body, if you sleep enough, you are again energized and enthusiastic because you just like what you are doing. And, um, and now it's a bit different uh, in the sense that I, I like to have um, different dimensions where I, I balance my, my work and my life. So uh, I have my, my work dimension, uh, which I still love for many reasons. And then I have also outside of my work, say the sport, sometimes the music, that are things that energize me. And uh, yeah, and of course you have to make other choices. You cannot do everything to the to the maximum you cannot have a day of 48 hours it's only 24 hours so you have to decide to uh, to limit some of the of your uh, plans according to the to, to the time available 
How did you calibrate between your own inner drive and the expectations, perhaps, of your employer or your collaborators? Yeah, I think we should not overstate or um, uh, the expectation of the employer. Uh, if you are driven genuinely, usually you you are performing uh, well within the expectation or even beyond expectations. So I would not uh, be too tactical. I've never been tactical in uh, even in, in my early career on trying to perform uh, and compare to the expectation at an evaluation. If you are genuinely interested and uh, you are in the right place doing what you'd like to do, um, it's very common that you do much more than, uh, than it is expected. So results will be abundant because the, the, the energy that comes from passion and the creativity that is, uh, that is uh, say, activated when you are on a subject that you like um, in fact, are priceless. I would say you cannot uh, you cannot imagine a, a boss telling an, an employee say, "Well, you should be more creative in this or that sector." <laughs> it's not something that you can impose from the outside. It's something that has to come from inside. But then again, one has to be uh, careful and very thoughtful of what you are choosing to do. Uh, if you choose, uh, in my uh, my message, I think is clear enough. If you choose for passion. You, you have uh, perhaps uh, a not very tactical choice with respect to society or to the economy or to some trends, yet it's a, it's a choice that, uh, that resonates well inside your body and your mind. And if you choose for uh, something more tactical, you might run uh, short of gas at some moment if the motivation starts declining. So I think what you, you, your question is more related to to the, the question, how do you motivate yourself to perform in relation to the expectation of your uh, of your employer mm. or your 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 um, say supervisor? And um, I don't know if I've answered your question. <laughs> no, Can I follow up on that? Sure. Um, because I have our tenure trackers in the back of mind. Yes. Sitting cross-legged and uh, cross-armed. I don't know if that's the word. Um, um, because if I if I understand you correctly, you're saying. Um, once you have the passion, then the results will follow naturally. Uh, whereas many tenure trackers right now experience that there is a lot of external pressure to adhere to certain performance goals that are put on them. So, and not only in doing research, but also in taking part in, in politics, university politics, uh, teaching uh, uh, responsibilities that they have. And grant applications and many many things that are expected from them they have to check a lot of boxes they even sometimes have to uh, follow a number of courses in order to get to the next step in their career and they feel that they have so many things to do that they don't have the time to focus on the thing that they are passionate about um, and that's the thing that I hear over and over again is it something that has changed in the years maybe it has it has I can I can recall that uh, at my time, although it was not so long ago, I think uh, we, we would be talking about 15 years ago, mm -hmm. I could focus on, uh, on the research, I could focus on good education, um, of course I would also focus on proposing the ideas for, uh, to obtain resources to conduct the research, that's already three of the domains that you are mentioning. And uh, the ones about being influential, say, in the, in the politics or in organizations, I think it is a dimension that has become more and more important and uh, which typically comes also with experience. And there, there is a role of supervisors of the, the or top managers that give our uh, young researchers the, the tools and also the conditions to, to start operating and having impact and meeting the outside world, society. Um, when do we lose work-life balance? Yeah, in uh, uh, it's uh, when when we have this. Uh, before uh, a few years ago, there was not this uh, solid-state memory, and there were the hard drives, 
And uh, long, long ago, maybe 30 years ago, it was very common when the computer would become too slow that you have to defrag it, eh? defragmentation. A defragmentation means that something has fragmented. So the, the head would have to go, in order to make a, uh, to take a file or read a file, would have to go in many different places. So the disk has to move and take a piece and then move again and take a piece. So I, I make this analogy not because I'm, I'm a nerd or a computer uh, freak, but um, because it, it really gives a bit the idea that when you are switching from one task to the other and you fragment your time, also physiologically, you fragment, you, you, you make your level of concentration shallower. And um, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, I find, especially for somebody who wants to work in the academia, who has the expectations as, okay, I want to be an intellectual. I want to be a scientist. I want to be somebody that has a profound knowledge or prof ability to, to go in depth. So we should uh, give the condition to, to have this experience to, to our colleagues, as we also had the possibility to do so. So the solution for that, of course, is to, to be aware of the risk of fragmentation. And uh, if you are aware, it's a first step. You know that if you, if you make a, a planning of a day with uh, many meetings of a very diverse topics and uh, domains, the result is not going to be the most profound <laughs> uh, uh, achievement. It will be just indeed uh, putting putting uh, uh, thinkies on the uh, on the boxes and uh, so how to avoid that it's by managing our time uh, planning well uh, making islands of time or periods of time excuse me if I switch space and time <laughs> but making uh, also physically having the space and the condition to dedicate yourself, uh, for instance, to a project you are doing with a student and, and, and you go on and go on uh, uh, until you have achieved a certain depth, a certain result. And then if you have to write a, a research proposal, take your time and uh, do not do other things at the, same, at the same time. Also because to be competitive, you, you have to be concentrated, you have to propose something innovative. Um, so uh, be aware that fragmentation uh, is something that is uh, asked from the outside. Everyone would like a piece of you, a moment of your attention. Uh, and this moment becomes a one hour because when you click on Outlook, can I say Outlook or is it? Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, when you click on Outlook, the first default is one hour. And sometimes you don't need an hour, but yet you use the hour. Now our meeting is one hour, <laughs> just as a, <laughs> as a confirmation. So, uh, uh, how to go back to your so question. You're, what you're saying is there are two parts influencing the way people can experience this fragmentation. On the one hand, partly is your own responsibility in terms of project management and time management. Yes. You block time blocks for a longer period when you have to concentrate on one thing. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you say you were lucky because your career started a few years back when the circumstances were still different at universities? I think they were... Uh, I think that uh, this uh, uh, spectrum of qualities has only uh, has, has grown in the years. It certainly has not become, uh, say, narrower. It's actually expanded. Mm -hmm. So I see that my, my junior colleagues are, are really expected to, to, to swing from uh, excellent education and innovation on education methods uh, to uh, the research and of course with the outputs and, uh, and of course make the impact, uh, participate in European projects, go to Brussels, make lobbying, uh, form a network, be leaders. Also it's quite stated, uh, we, we, we put quite some attention on, on leadership, but you, what if you have 99% leaders uh, that have to direct only 1% <laughs> of the workforce. So <clears throat> there, uh, I, I, think, I think we have to, to make, a, to reflect upon that. But also the, the, the people who start now an academic career should not fall into the trap of the numbers. Mm 
and 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 imagine that uh, oh the most you publish the most students you graduate uh, uh, just to be based on those numbers I think that yeah let me put it this way work-life balance why are you happy at the end of a day or of a week or of a month and no longer than that is because what you have done uh, you are proud of you identify yourself you say this is uh, I we managed to publish this article despite some initial resistance of the reviewers and uh, then we turned the resistance of the reviewers into enthusiasm then you are happy about it then you're proud about it it cost you twice the time it would have costed if you would have chosen some tactical moves but you are proud of it and I don't say forever but for quite a while it's a story that you can tell around and that you can also tell to yourself so you sleep well on it and you wake up even better so uh, an advice could be that uh, fragmentation also comes if we uh, have to afford the multiplicity of tasks and uh, and we expect to quantitatively have a have a high bars on each of these tasks i think we could calm down and uh, be back on, on quality on the best quality for each of us every individual has a certain meter for that and there's a certain ambition for that and uh, I, I think that the, the rewarding part would balance a lot the, the, the frustration of uh, uh, fragmentation. So being aware of fragmentation by a good time management, uh, time management also means that you have to count on others. So if I want to write a research proposal in the past, I typically I found that I need 200 hours, which is... Uh, and cut and piece, uh, you would say. <laughs> you can keep no it or, or cut it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's quite a number of hours. Yeah, and that's the time I need uh, to write a really proposal. And after I've written the proposal in in this amount of hours, I say I could not have done any better. And I, I would not say I take thirty hours and say yeah, it is what it is. It could have been better, but you know, time constraints. No, you do it. You do it good because you you say I compete. I run at the maximum speed I can, so I have made a full competition in there. So I'm, I'm, I'm real. I'm really there to try to to pull out of ourselves the, the best, um, and not looking at this compromise uh, of a fragmentation. I do this proposal, but then I can do it only uh, from two to three in every afternoon. One day yes, one day no, because then I have the swimming pool. And then I have also to go to this and that committee. Then, then it's all blended like an omelette and it loses body, it loses significance. Yeah. So um, uh, aiming for quality and so that these uh, milestones are, are really visible in our memory, are also visible to the others. And you make just more chances of success because if you, you bring out the best of yourself, you make more chances of success. You just take less chances because this has a cost in time. So you do it less often, but uh, at a good level of quality. Yeah, and you should convince uh, your supervisor, your, your superior, your organization should talk to them. Say, well, if I have to do this, I will need some time to do it. And uh, how can you support me? Can a colleague of mine take over this course for a few weeks? Can another colleague of mine take my place in this committee? Because this is what I want to do in that period. And then you have to be ready to help your colleagues when they want to do that. Yeah. So it goes from the personal dimension into a, a more collective dimension, at least at the team level. If, if I may ask, how, how do you encourage that in your, your, in your own department? Yes, I, I can say that we, we do this uh, uh, quite uh, now routinely. For instance, uh, we have, a, we have a experienced the same anxiety uh, of a junior uh, researchers, uh, assistant professors, tenure trackers, who uh, uh, at some moment at the end of the year uh, were not successful in, uh, in submitting an application or, or not successful in receiving a grant. And, uh, uh, and then uh, with the discussion becomes uh, from explanatory to apologetic. And this is the last thing you want to stimulate in a, in a young researcher, that they have to start apologizing for what they have not achieved. This is not what we want. We want them to be happy. Uh, we want them to be uh, driven. 
We want them to be resilient also to the failure and not have to apologize. So it turned out that a simple solution could be, well, if you need the time to write a proposal, uh, first of all, do not go and uh, for for all possible small projects that are low-hanging fruits just uh, because you are anxious that you have to bring back something, but go for what you think you are best at, take your time, do you need to interrupt some activities, how can we help you with that? As, as long as it is feasible, we support it, for instance, we give a, uh, the, the basic suggestion is that we say you should empty your agenda. If you want to write a good proposal, empty your agenda, two weeks, maybe three weeks, and then this should be quite enough to make, to make quite a good job. Take away meetings, take away teaching, take away committees, and, uh, and uh, we try to support it, not once a month, <laughs> because then it would be, it would be not, uh, not sustainable. But if you have to do this exercise once a year, for sure, this should be allowed, maybe twice a year. But once a year is already a good, a good, uh, a good uh, say, uh, um, a good work point. Yeah, because a few minutes ago you mentioned we need to calm down. Is this the kind of calming down that you mean? Is it about focusing or is it also emotionally calming down to not be too focused on, oh, I'm making mistakes, I need to apologize? Is that also that same dimension? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, uh, I, I would say uh, to, to what Geza was uh, mentioning before, this uh, story of fragmentation and the spectrum that is very wide, uh, we have to try to still uh, make clear what are the important colors in the spectrum. Yeah, so give a certain weight to what is our core part and what is the nice to have. And uh, so this can already give us a, a better impression because when, when you, if you give a motivational speech in front of a department then, and, and all this speech goes into the uh, impact to society, people might have the wrong impression that the first thing we have to do is uh, outreach and is to contact companies or to contact uh, uh, other organization in society and it's something nice to have but I don't think it's the first thing to start with the first thing to start with is let's check are we teaching the right stuff <laughs> and are we teaching well are we in the classroom when we are supposed to be in the classroom and are we there for the students when the students need us yeah this is welcome to the university this is this is really core and then there is the the research part are we do we have a consistent line of research and, uh, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So I, I think this, this thing developed. So your question was the uh, e emotional anxiety. Uh, yes, I think it's a, a bit of a vicious circle in the attempt to uh, fill in all the boxes. Uh, we might really forget what is our talent and what is our you know specialty our special gift where we can make the difference so there are some extremes you can have somebody that is really uh, want to go in beautiful isolation on an ivory tower or on a mountain and uh, in a hermitage yeah uh, okay that that's that's an excess. Somebody who says, please don't bother me. I just want to understand this problem and I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, that's not a great example. Yeah? That you could say, okay, this researcher is a genius, but in fact is a, it's quite a, a problem to in interact with this person and this person does not uh, really cannot see also the context, for instance, the organization. That, that's an extreme. And uh, certainly this person is not fragmented, you might say. But there are serious limitations on that side. And this person is not even anxious about what the organization asks for. Uh, the other extreme is somebody that is uh, driven by the expectation of the organization or even driven by his or her own ambition to make career in the organization and then decides to make choices that are all the time purely tactical. So in that case, the person is not looking inside at all and is only tactically looking at, at this option. 
maybe this person can also make a good career and possibly complete a career as a, as a good manager because will be very sensitive to the needs of the organization. But you might say also that uh, I, I find difficult there to have a good work-life balance because <clears throat> the, the satisfaction, I would ask myself, how satisfied will this person be at the end of the day? And how energized will this person be at the beginning of the day if all what you have to do is in order to satisfy and, and to match with some expectation of the organization? And, and there also anxiety could kick in because uh, uh, you have to find a way find a way to satisfy a requirement that comes from outside of you solely that's very difficult uh, it's yes, not it w- i would the, not advise to do that isn't the the worry real that when you don't tick the boxes you cannot advance because at the end of the year they look at there is this committee that looks at you know have you checked all the boxes and if you haven't then you might lose your job or uh, or stay in the same position for a long time um, if you have a very incompetent uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, non-empathic uh, supervisor, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. So you should also make sure that you go and work in groups where the supervisor is not that incompetent. So <laughs> what can I answer there? Mm-hmm. I think the role of a supervisor is uh, not just uh, to, to ticket boxes and to see the development of the person and to see the potential that is in the person. The potential you also see by extrapolating from the past. Eh? It's also be based on facts. Okay, it looks like you are quite good on on research, but you are not putting some attention on education. You could translate it. You say, well, Fulvio, so you are asking to tick the box of education. Uh, we do have uh, a core definition, a definition of core activities and profiles. So uh, if you have somebody who is only a researcher, you would say, should this person be uh, universitaire docent or or or, or, uh, or Hofdocent, uh, or should this person be a Untersucher? Because if you do not participate in education, why the word docent? Mm-hmm. Or if you are doing only education, to what uh, and, and not doing any research, then why should that be called uh, universitaire docent, where it also entails the research part? Then you would be docent. Uh, then you see, I already see as an uh, as inevitable that two boxes have to be ticked in the sense that the profile has to span over education and research. And if we apply this uh, rationale, we would expand it also to the other colors of the spectrum. Yeah? Uh, resources, organization, valorization, and so on. So your question was... Uh, what if your supervisor uh, expects you to, to tick all boxes? You choose a job. You should like that job. So I think if, you, if, if your job is just uh, teaching to uh, uh, primary school kids, don't look for a job at university where you are also asked to make research. And if you are passionate about research, but you really don't like to have to do with kids or adult kids, then uh, you have to ask if there is such a job in the university. If in some department there is such a job, you can apply for it. So I would say at the end we are free to choose a job and we should be somehow aware that that's the job. And it's good to choose a job that you like. At yeah, is it time, is it such so a hard? Many, yeah. There are not so many jobs to choose from because they're quite rare. Uh, uh, and if I'm committed to doing research in a certain area, there might be just one single department in the whole country, and I'm glued to my country because I have my family there, so I can't go abroad, for example. And then my options become very small, and then I yeah. have to choose: can I do I go for doing research in my favorite area? Or do I switch careers completely? Yet I have invested already so much of my time in an academic career that that's a very hard choice to make to leave. Um, so okay, I see another. I see other options there, and of course, uh, I don't want to be so hard to say. Well, if this is the the job is not good for you, but on the long term, is very. It's it's still the basic fuel, or the let's in, in modern days the charge. <laughs> 
the basic charge is that uh, you try to make a good choice that fits your spirit, your soul, your vision, your uh, your almost uh, the meaning you give to your existence. Yeah, so it, that's quite important, that match. Now you are mentioning uh, circumstances that might ask you to bend or to uh, uh, retrofit uh, your skills in another domain. Mm, it is always possible to talk beforehand in full transparency once you once you become aware of it rather than trying to hide and and try to play the role that the organization expects you to play i would rather go out <laughs> and uh, and talk to supervisor and say uh, after one or two years you, you really know each other so you can really speak out and you can say well this is what i really like to do and can you help me to stay in this profile or you think it's absolutely not compatible. Now the absolutely incompetent supervisor might have a position <laughs> that is uh, that could be stiff and uh, suggest uh, radical solutions. But I think we have many, many good and many empathic and, and many uh, supervisors that, that can see far the value of people. So one should be able to find, uh, to accommodate for it. So if you are excellent in research, uh, so and so on, on educational tasks, uh, it's not a crime that you change a little bit the weights in the spectrum and accommodate for this talent in the person, uh, waiting that this person will develop in that other color with time, maybe in five years time, the person will develop some appetite. And this has happened to me as well. Uh, certainly, I, I liked teaching, I liked to be in front of an audience, but I, I liked also so much my research that I would see education as uh, the, you know, the, how to say, yeah, you have to do it. And, uh, and uh, nowadays, I, I have been a little bit away from education also because I was uh, chairing a department, so at some moment uh, these tasks uh, do not, are not compatible. But now I'm not chair anymore of the department and I've been invited, offered to be back in the classroom. And I, I love it to be back in front of the students uh, and inspire them, uh, getting questions from them, go back to the basics, so to say. So I think uh, our, our life, our career is also quite seasonal. And there are moments where you are waiting uh, different, uh, different colors in your spectrum. And um, it's still important to be aware of what you are choosing so that you maintain this, uh, this satisfaction at the end of the day and this energy at the beginning of the day. And when, they, when you see them missing, it's really a kind of a warning sign. Something is not right. Something, I, I, might, I might even risk burnout or uh, depression or uh, just motivation will, will go down uh, in the, in, in the calder. I also think of the different contexts that people can, can be in. Um, you are uh, Italian, we are Dutch, uh, we are here in this country perhaps uh, enjoying being direct and straightforward to each other uh, while also working in a rather classically hierarchical structure in academia. And I also hear you say, well, when you have a supervisor of a certain quality, like we were also looking towards the hierarchical um, limitations. Um, there's probably also people listening in who just moved to the Netherlands and they want to be job secure, don't dare being so direct to their supervisor. Perhaps you say, well, after two years, you're acquainted enough to be open about these kind of things. Um, do you have some thoughts also on how to uh, address these, these kind of um, career choices or work-life balance choices? when you feel that people culturally have a different way of communicating about them? It didn't take me much time. Maybe I found that it was quite easy. I, I like a lot the Dutch style of being uh, direct. And uh, actually at a certain level, the people become uh, then um, less direct. There is more diplomacy in the, in the communication and the positions are also communicated in a, in a, in a less uh, strong way in the university say intellectuals know how to communicate, filter, sometimes manipulate, 
uh, or at least in between the lines. influence give give some some influence. I think uh, all the spectrum is is allowed as long as it is for for a good goal. But uh, oh, this is almost Machiavellian. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> but let me see. Uh, you say uh, what could be an advice uh, to people who don't dare say to speak out, who don't dare to expose themselves? I have to be honest. I I do see it myself, especially when we come from such a variety of cultures. Yeah, the advice is uh, um, um, if you cannot talk to the outside yet about that, talk to yourself. Because you start with an awareness. So if, if there is a signal of insatisfaction, a signal of uh, that you are missing something, the first person to talk to certainly is yourself. Interrogate yourself and do not lie to yourself and try to build a good awareness. Where, where is this buds coming from? And try to make it at least clear to yourself. You could also talk to your wife, your husband, your children, your friend, your neighbor, uh, any person where you feel safe, bringing this out in almost a myotic sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think making it, discussing it then within your work group, or if you have to report to your supervisor, it's a point that um, you should uh, uh, never omit. It's, it's, you have to get there, uh, at least to reach a certain level of transparency. Then you might achieve the goal or not. If you achieve it, you're happy fully. If you don't achieve it, you say, well, I gave my best shot. So what can I do better than giving my best? <laughs> so you are also kind of satisfied because you have achieved something for yourself. Yeah? So um, I, I think I don't see a, a surrogate of, of, of this uh, other than communicating it uh, transparently after having been aware, become aware of the urgency of that point. So you might also learn how to communicate it with a certain level of urgency. Also communication abilities, again, we were mentioning uh, manipulation or making influence, but it means your supervisor should understand what really matters to you and what is nice to have. Yeah, like yeah. putting all the cards on the table, the putting, interests. Putting all the cards. This right. is the way how I work and how many of my colleagues work. And uh, I, I think it, it really solves many of the problems. Some of the problems seem to be complicated at the beginning and then they end up like a, like a glass of water. They, they, are, they were actually simple. There, was a, there were simple solutions, concrete solutions. Like saying, well, let's take two years, you know, developing this course maybe was too ambitious. You, you find it too ambitious. You are too stressed by that. You know, we can do this. I can talk to the, to the, to the educational department and we can pause it uh, for two years. We make a plan for 2025 uh, because I understand you have something more important now to go. And the person goes out of the room relieved, happy with the plan. The same identical plan just moved in time. So time management again, uh, uh, rather than fragmentation. Mm. Now another another uh, image I gave is like uh, when when you are running after yourself. That sounds very bad. <laughs> so you are always running after yourself. Uh, I what I prefer to do sometimes I I am a bit brutal. And I, I talk to my uh, secretaress or the, the assistant of the section and say, well, Colette, this is not going far. Uh, let's cancel some things because I can't breathe. I don't have breathing space. And, uh, and this is, becomes then uh, quite, um, it, it touches you a lot inside. When you go home, uh, you can't disconnect. And then the work-life balance is, uh, is lost. So if you can't breathe, then just it's a nice symbol the cross check out things and of course you have to accept that uh, uh, instead of publishing uh, 12 articles that year you only publish eight which is of course completely out of this world still yeah we're almost out of time and um, yeah. is there something that you would have liked to talk about regarding this topic that i haven't asked you or Lawrence hasn't asked you 
this second question I liked a lot. It's, the question was, is a healthy work-life balance possible in academia? And uh, my, my answer is, if not in the academia, where? <laughs> I think the academia is one of the ideal places for work-life balance. Uh, because uh, many people who choose the academia uh, like the fact that in the academia you are paid to think and uh, you are paid to stimulate your curiosity. You are paid to find a way to inspire younger people in what you are doing or in the domain where you are knowledgeable. I find that there is so much reward in these activities that the work-life balance is quite easy to have in the academia. It's also a very open environment. It's an environment where the new is always embraced and never, say, uh, repelled. Uh, so my answer is uh, definitely there is a healthy uh, work-life balance possible in the academia. But what you said before, indeed, if we turn now the academia into a a system that is asking for Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect that has all the colors of the spectrum and that can go and talk to the Prime Minister uh, as well as make the invention that saves the world, well, then I think it becomes uh, more of a, of a cage, <laughs> an impossible cage to live in. So um, still the choice of a, of a health depends on having a good match between our expectations and what we really are and what we project to become because we are something today and if we are driven we are driven to become something else or something more or yeah in in in, in weeks so that was one of the the questions and then whose responsibility is your work life balance the question, whose responsibility is your work-life balance? Yours? It starts from you. So uh, it's very unlikely that uh, the, if we speak of the university and the academia as a world is extremely complex. So for this world to take into account the different personalities and the different conditions and the different tasks and the different process to also account for the work-life balance of the employees, I find it really a mission impossible. So it's uh, one should not now make the mistake to, to flip the medal and say, oh, it should be the responsibility of the organization. No, it starts from you. You take care that you are working uh, at a level that you are happy at the end of the day and you also have a, a, another life or another dimension in your life or, or other dimensions. So that, that I wanted to make clear. Having said that, having said that, uh, uh, the organization has quite an impact in the settings, the cultural settings. Imagine you enter uh, uh, your office in a group, in a department, Everyone has closed door. Everyone is working as hard as possible to try to win against you. Uh, you can't communicate to the others because they might steal your ideas. You can't share things with others because then they might overcome your position and take that task and claim it for themselves. Okay, that's the real hell. Yeah. So uh, we need to shape the organization, to design the organization, to, to favor that the organization promotes teamwork. We should not just uh, acknowledge individual uh, results, but also the ability of a person to blend in, to score goals, to make assists, to help making massage when a player is injured. So when we do that, of course, we have to transpose this into the academic uh, and, and we leave it to the brilliant tenure trackers uh, online. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, when we favor this type of culture, then I think that uh, we have made a, the most important step from the organization point of view to promote the, the work-life balance, at least a safe working climate 
Yeah, remember that there is a second topic of this uh, podcast that is more about uh, you know the, the the climate. But the, the two things do uh, do interact with each other. Uh, there are also other practical things. Uh, the you should uh, from top down ask people not to send emails at night or on Christmas Day or uh, uh, in the weekend. Um, and I say emails, not to say other type of ways to put pressure on others. Unless it is, of course, uh, say force majeure, that that could be. But the baseline is that if we want, if we are an organization that promotes work-life balance, we should also communicate these rules or these healthy habits. Uh, and I'm afraid that this has to be top-down, bottom-up. It just doesn't work because people are very different and diverse. Some are very ambitious and they will call you on Saturday afternoon uh, or Sunday morning, which is even worse. Uh, so this is, uh, this is the role of the, I think, of the organization. We can do it because uh, luckily uh, the academia, at least the academia in the Netherlands, is not a, a private organization, but it's public. So performance is important, but the social mission is comes first uh, so we could perhaps uh, close an eye that on performance for instance not working on saturday and sundays uh, in, in view of having a, a healthier lifestyle and on long term actually i think the performance will always be better well thank you so much for being part of this endeavor online i it, uh, i'm really happy with your initiative of course of these podcasts and uh I, I think that uh, yeah, it is much needed. People can listen by by making their own jogging or on the bicycle. So I find that uh, this is uh, one of the the benefit of uh, modernity. <laughs> this has been the Human Side of Research, brought to you by Downside Up. We are really curious what struggles you face in your career and what have been eye-openers for you when it comes to work-life balance. Send us your thoughts and feedback regarding this conversation to podcast at downsideup.nl. We would also love to hear your suggestions for future topics and guests. If you need help improving the work culture in your team, check out our website for ways we can help. We are here to make sure our researchers can do their work well. See you next time.